There you go. Recording is in progress. So, got it. So we are uh, we are picking up, uh, trying to finish up chapter three here. Verses seventeen and eighteen is where we're at. We're talking about. We talked last week a little bit about uh, the difference between uh, worldly wisdom and spiritual wisdom, and we started in on spiritual wisdom or what heavenly or godly wisdom is, and um, we didn't make it very far. But I thought we'd take another stab at it again today and see if we can't get through the rest of this. So if we read that, those two verses, you'll see that wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow peace raise a harvest of righteousness. All right. So we last week we dealt with a little bit, uh, well, quite a bit with the idea of purity and the indication of how important holiness is as, as far as God is concerned. And we dealt with the fact that um, God's wisdom leads to a purity of life, uh, which is what God calls us to do and to be. And the closer we come to God, the more pure, hopefully, we, we become. Man's wisdom often leads to sin as a result of it. We talked about that. We talked a little bit. We started talking about peace. We talked about man's wisdom often leads to competition and rivalry and war, but God's wisdom leads to peace. And uh, we talked about the, or at least we we mentioned it. I wanted to just bring it up again that God's peace never is peace at any price. He he never takes Chamberlain's idea uh, in World War II of of giving in to. Uh, those that are are, are bullies, uh, that uh, we we need to address things, and at times it means that we have to fight for peace. The peace of, uh, of the church is uh, no more important than the purity of the church. In fact, if the church is pure and devoted to God, there will be a sense of peace that comes with that. Remember, we talked about how a lot of these things are built upon. You lay the foundation of purity, foundation of holiness, and from that comes peace. And if you don't have peace in your church or in your life, the problem possible, real probably is the fact that there's a holiness issue that needs to be addressed. Um, I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for myself and tell you that there have been times and the issue that, that there's no peace in the house is because one of us is not being holy and it usually isn't my wife. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. She's, a, she's very long-suffering with me at times. So uh, the work of righteousness shall be peace. That's Isaiah 32, 17. And the effect of righteous quietness and assurance forever. That's the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance. You know, you can't have peace by just simply sweeping something under the rug or pretending it didn't happen or ignoring it. Uh, you can't. Man's wisdom says cover up sin. Keep things together. I, I told you about one of the one of the well it was the second church i think that i was ever i ever served in i came in in september by december we had lost our um, sometime in november actually we lost our senior pastor to sin and some of the the elders of the church wanted to sweep his sin under the carpet and going the people want to know they, they don't need to know all the details but they want to know what's going on if we don't tell them something we don't give them the truth. It, it, you don't have no idea the kind of rumors are going to come as a result of that. 
And it took a while, but we finally convinced all of the elders that we needed to at least address it. So God's wisdom says, confess your sin and my peace will keep things together. It was amazing. We actually grew as a result of telling the truth versus trying to hide it. I can remember one of the uh, one of the families that came to the church. Uh, I remember I personally reached out to them because they were they were looking for a new church home. Here we are with a, a church with no no senior pastor, and then shortly after they they started to attend, we lost a, a, a youth pastor to sin as well. It was like a, it was like a, a set of dominoes falling, and uh, I remember reaching out to this family just encouraging them that, that God's plan was was perfect and that, that the result of this was going to be a, a, something that was going to be good for our church. Well, that church ended up hiring a, a gentleman who became the lead pastor and, and the church has really exploded. It was about 250, 300. And I think now it's running 20 some years later, it's running around 1500. Um, but one of the things that happened was this family told me uh, has told me several times since then, because I still talk with them from time to time, that they stayed at that church because I had reached out to them in the midst of all the stuff that was going on. I was the one who reached out and said to try to encourage them. And, and as a result of that, the gentleman that's this gentleman is one of the elders now of the church, <laughs> which I thought was kind of odd and kind of strange. But God, God works in strange ways sometimes, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. All right. So God says, Confess your sin and my peace will be with you. Man says, cover it up. Things will keep going. That's going to be a problem. We need to have peace. We need to have peace because peace comes from being truthful. Now, it doesn't mean there isn't problems as a result of telling the truth. It will happen. There will be problems from time to time. But ultimately, God says, let me deal with that. The next one is gentleness. Or one of the translations says, consider it. One author, a guy by the name of Matthew Arnold, says this. He says that it's sweet reasonableness. It, it kind of carries with it the idea of moderation without compromise and gentleness without weakness, which is kind of a tough thing to do sometimes because we often tend to think that moderation means we compromise. But a gentle person does not deliberately cause fights, neither does he compromise the truth in order to keep the peace. Um I like this quote from Carl Sandburg. He described Abraham Lincoln as a man of velvet steel. Isn't that a great description of a person? Think about that. Velvet steel. Man, I wish that that was, uh, I wish you could say it about me. That'd be awesome. How does, how does that uh, uh, fit with the, the last phrase in that sentence, willing to yield to others? Uh, on the surface, that sounds like compromising. Okay, yeah, there's a sense to which I, I think the, the difference is there are areas that you compromise in that have nothing to do with the truth. The area that you don't compromise in is the truth. Now, when it comes to a decision like what color of carpet should you put in the church uh, fellowship hall, I think you can compromise on that. There isn't a theological perspective that says, oh, you need to be, it needs to be red rather than blue. You know, so I think that, that that perspective is a matter of how we look at it and what becomes important. The question is, and the thing that this, the struggle that we have will be, what level of truth do we need to go with? 
and where can we allow compromise? And, and again, I this kind of leads back to when it's kind of what James was talking about last week. Um, I think of it this way. There's fundamentals of our faith that we can't compromise. And then there are, are theological perspectives that we have because of our perhaps our denomination or the church that we attend. And we say, OK, this this is what our church practices. It doesn't mean that the others can't, uh, you know, as an example, do we do we baptize by immersion or do we sprinkle? Well, do, I think it ought to be a baptism by immersion. But uh, so I, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be thrilled with somebody who has who has sprinkled has been baptized by sprinkling, but I'm not going to say they're not a believer. I'm not going to say I'm not going to have a relationship with them. Uh, but what I am going to say is that I'm probably not going to let them join my church because they need to be re they need baptized the way our church says it needs to be baptized. Now, there are churches that say we don't care. We'll accept whatever baptism you have. And that's fine. That was a decision that church made. But there are going to be some things to say we won't change this. This is so important that we can't allow it to change. And so I think that's where the, the issue is of, of uh, uh, allowing people to uh, to to, uh, to uh, allow them uh, consider use of mercy. Your translation is different, Gary. Get read that again in verse seventeen. Okay, verse seventeen in the NLT is, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. Okay. All right. Oh, so, mine is an interest. I like mine here. It says open to reason. Okay. All right. I think you're going to find that that, that dynamic uh, translation there is an interesting one. And, and you're going to look to the, the uh, translators as to how or why they came up with that. Because in the, in the NIV, it says it's it, the wisdom from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy. Uh, and good fruit. You, you know, I missed the, the good fruit portion of that passage. So well, there, there's another sentence I didn't read. It's it is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no uh, favoritism and is always sincere. So the good deeds, I assume, is okay. Yeah, fruit. yeah. All right, all right. So it, it's it's a matter of how they've decided to allow for compromise in in a church, and that's again one of the things you find with translations is. All depends on who translates it, you know, and what they are what they're comfortable with. And the NI, the NLT is a good translation, but it is a dynamic equivalent, much more so than uh, even more so than the NIV. Uh, to get a, more, a word for word translation, you have to go back to the ESV or the New American Standard or even the King James or maybe the New King James. Do you uh, think churches run into a problem by excluding? Excluding what? Well, like you were saying, baptism. You know, it's. Uh... I I think that each church or each denomination has to make a choice as to what are the most important things. The central core is always what makes us orthodox, and there are a lot of orthodox churches that don't agree with us on some of our theology. You know. Um, as an example, um, I think we have to be careful about what we allow and don't allow. Protestants are known for ignoring Mary. Uh, Orthodox and Catholics are known for 
perhaps raising her too high in their in their esteem. Um, my, my guess is that probably the the balance would be someplace in between. You know, I, I love I love the Orthodox where they talk about they, they describe her as the Theodokos, which is uh, means the God bearer. Now, some of their other concepts I'm not a happy I'm not happy with, but I love the idea that she's the God bearer. She's the vessel by which God enters the world. Um, does that mean that she's the mother of God? No, it means she's the mother of Jesus, in my understanding. So I would have a problem accepting that, and I wouldn't want it taught in my church. But I don't think that makes them, it doesn't make them a non-believer. It makes them a, from a different stream. And I think they got it wrong. But then I'm sure they're going to think that I got some things wrong. And as I've told you before, when we get to heaven, we're going to find out that most of the time Val was right and you guys were wrong. Oh, no, I mean, uh, most of the time you're going to find out that, that we got this much right and this much wrong. We got a lot more wrong than we got right because that's the nature of being human. We're not God. We don't understand God's thought process or what he, sometimes what he's trying to tell us. So submissive, yeah, uh, accepting, excluding yeah, I think sometimes you have to exclude. You know, if, if they're if they don't believe that Jesus is the is the Son of God, then I don't believe they're they're a believer. They're they're they're, they're uh, an Orthodox faith. Um, I think I told you this. One of the guys that I did my doctoral work with was a part of uh, the, the Church of God or Church. Of, it, it was oh man, I just lost it. Um, Armstrong, uh, Armstrongism, uh, which at one time was a non-Trinitarian uh, 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 belief system. They believed in in uh, in maybe two two parts of the Trinity, but not three. And uh, one of the gentlemen that I went with, his father was one of the founders of that uh, work, along with uh, George Armstrong. And uh, they, uh, the second or third generation, when they came in to, to lead the, that movement, after studying scripture, they came to the conclusion that, yeah, there is a trinity. There are three persons of the Godhead. And they moved that church out of being what I would consider a cult into true Orthodox Christianity. And it cost them greatly. They lost a lot of members. But I, I really applauded him for the stand that he took, and, and he paid for it. He paid. He lost his. He lost one of the. He lost one of a very large church that he ministered to because he took the stand with the rest of the the group and said, "No, we're we're a Trinit We're going to change and become a trinitarian uh, church." Um, so yeah, there are going to be times when you make a you make choices and he's going to pay for it. But this idea of gentleness is important or considerate uh how you consider it means that you try not to you know, love and speak the truth in love ephesians uh, is a chapter four i think it is we're also told to be compliant or to be submissive um man's wisdom tends to make us hard and and stubborn but God's wisdom is supposed to make us agreeable and easy to live with and work with. In fact, it, we're told that uh, we need to live in such a way 
that even the unbelievers acknowledge that we are Christians in a good sense, not in a bad sense. You know, um, uh, you know, uh, Edwin, your situation is probably a kind of an interesting one uh, at work where people are now coming to you and saying, why are you happy? Why are you easy to get along with? Now, I don't know, yeah, maybe uh, it, it, it is interesting because, you know, I still have a, a Buddhist at work and uh, about, I don't know. I don't even know if there's another. Well, there's one Catholic, I think, but you don't hear much out of her. So it's the conversation, but I invariably find like, it's like I'm jabbing for Christ, right? So you have these little openings and you say, hey, here we got Christ, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, it's interesting to, the guy said something to me about dinosaurs. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, you're, you're a Christian, you don't believe in dinosaurs. And I'm like, well, I don't know, is it in the Bible? Does the Bible say there is or isn't dinosaurs? No, so don't, don't worry about it, you know, and just kind of be casual with the conversation. Instead of the highlights of whatever newsworthy thing there is. Sometimes sometimes it's hard, isn't it, to be considerate or compliant uh, of others when you know you're right and you know they're wrong? No. No? It's not easy. It's not hard to do. It is for me. I want them to understand. You're wrong. No, you're wrong. Um. <laughs> I think you just have to uh, well you have to put your ego in a box and and your pride and everything to the side and uh, not open to change your mind but open to you know allowing them to vocalize and maybe they'll learn by speaking it out loud that they really don't make sense and come to their it's own conclusion yeah I think getting back to what Gary was saying earlier, one translation I looked at talks about this idea of compliance or submissive. Uh, they, they talk about the fact that when God's wisdom is at work, uh, there should be a willingness to listen, to think, and to pray, and then to be obedient to whatever God reveals. In other words, it's yielding to persuasion is, is one of the translations, which is kind of, I think, what the NLT was saying there, Gary, maybe, maybe not. But well, it says willing, willing to yield to others talks about that seems to me to be like a human dialogue. Yeah. Um, and willing to set your own preferences aside, possibly. And sometimes it's I think it's necessary, you know. Um, don't we all do that to some degree, even on small degrees? Maybe, maybe you don't, but I, I'll often say to my wife, just you know, we're going to go out to eat. I say, where would you like to go? And she says, where would you like to go? I said, I don't really care. I don't really have a preference. I just want to go someplace and eat. You take me to a restaurant, and I I will find something that I'll like, or something that I hope I'll like. But if you do have a strong preference, would you set that aside to go to her preference? I've done that quite often. <laughs> I think that I think the point is is that you have to come from the same point of view, at least from the same point of view, just like all of us have talked about. If your walk in Christ has changed, it's because he's revealed more to you as your walk has continued. But That's we good. basically, as a group of us, we have the same core beliefs and we can differ on how we view those now and be have some coin, coin and a between our group. But we Absolutely. can still differ because 
I sometimes listen to people and say, you know what? Sometimes God does reveal things, but sometimes I have to put it on the shelf because I don't quite grasp that. It's you know? an interesting, that's a good, that's a good way of putting it. Sometimes we're not ready to hear what is being said, isn't it? Right. And, and that I think means a lot that if we're the person that's speaking it into somebody's life, we need to allow the Holy Spirit time to do the work that needs to be done. And I think the other thing, too, he mentioned, the other thing, too, if you have something that troubles you, then that's <clears> God's <throat> telling you, you need to look for yourself to see how you can resolve that. I believe that's that. That's good. That's good. You know, because he does kind of stir you up and make you, when I've heard certain things, I go, you know what? I need to look into that. I got my point of view here. Let me see what's going on. So I, that's for me personally, but. Yep. And just yep. like in medicine, we basically in medicine would do different things. Sometimes we would try things. I shouldn't say we would try things, but it's based on a reasonable assumption that what we're doing is correct. We all follow the same page, but somebody's view can be slightly different of how they get to that. And we mm -hmm. look at the results of that and see how it functions. Mm -hmm. You know, but we have yeah. to. What we have to, like you mentioned, you have to. We have to agree on the core principles. We cannot deviate from those. That's. Yeah. I always tell people. My question is always the same: Is who is Jesus? <clears throat> yep. Is his work and is his work complete? If they yeah. come up and say, "Well, he's Jesus," but you have to, and I go, "Wait, no, that's not true." Mm -hmm. I'm saying it's he's got to be complete now how you how you live that out is different I agree with that mm -hmm. so anyway well I think the Holy Spirit reveals to us at different times different of us learn different aspects you know what the experience that I go through might be the Holy Spirit teaching me a particular piece of information that I need to, to add to my life but he might teach me at, at a different time than he teaches you yeah. The, other thing, thing. the other thing, too, that for me, and this I'm just using him as an example, when he comes to me, it's always through the Bible, because I spent time to try to understand that, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so that helps, too, because he comes through that word. And that's why I know it's at least coming from him. So. Yeah, we, we uh, I think the word is an important thing. I think that God speaks his word, his will into us at times or reveals his will into us. And we've, we've talked about this. Gary, I think, mentioned it last week, Pew. And uh, what does that mean? Does anybody remember? People, events. People, People events, words, word, spirits. And spirit. Okay. Now, I would tend to think that sometimes one of those is a little stronger than the other. And, and mm -hmm. I would I would rely more on the word and the spirit. But sometimes God uses people to reveal truth to us, doesn't he? Or events. Um, I, I, I've told you that I thought I was going to be a worship pastor for most of my life. And... Uh, after interviewing at three different locations across the country at fairly large churches, I mean, big churches, uh, you know, God closed the door every time and basically told me, no, I have something else in mind for you. And then uh, that was apparently teaching um, and preaching. So uh, to whatever degree that I do it, that's <coughs> his fault, not mine. So you blame God for me teaching. Okay, I just blame him. It's fine. I got no problem with that. All right, mercy. 
uh, one translation, I think the NIV says, uh, or uh, the uh, K KJV says, full of mercy. To be full of something means to be controlled by it. I heard, uh, I heard, wait, I heard you say KGB. I, was, I know, I know what you said. K, K, KJV. Okay, yeah. I didn't get that wrong. <laughs> oh, that that'd be an interesting translation. I'd, I'd be I'd be fascinated to put that up in other translations, wouldn't you? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Luke six thirty six says that we should be merciful as our Father is also merciful. So the, our 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 example is 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 God and His mercy. I would go so far as to say that I think that the story of the of the Good Samaritan is an act of mercy on the part of someone who is uh, persecuted by the Jews and would not be looked upon very favorably. And yet, he's the the guy that that you know that that displays mercy. How crazy is that? The person that's persecuted is the person who shows mercy. Um, I don't know that I've ever been persecuted like the Samaritans were, but I do remember one time when I was, uh, I was being encouraged. Um, well, I wasn't really being encouraged to leave, but I, it became very apparent to me that I needed to leave a particular work. And it wasn't my first choice. It was the choice that God was making very plain. It was time for me to, to move on. And I had been at that church for a long time. And uh, it was pretty devastating to the family uh, and to the, the people I ministered to. And uh, I can remember when I announced that we were leaving because it was, I think it was the will of God. Um, the, the folks in our ministry were just absolutely devastated. And I spent more time ministering to them and showing them mercy than they did for me. And I'm the one that I'm the one that's hurting, you know, my family is we're leaving. We're not getting to stay with the folks that we've, you know, that we've been with for years and years. And yet they're the ones that are devastated and they're the ones. And my wife said to me afterwards, she goes, what was that all about? I said, well, I think that was God making, helping us to show that one, we had a ministry there that was at least successful in God's eyes. And two, um, it was allowing us to be able to minister to people in their hurt. In the midst of our pain, we had an opportunity to minister to others. And I think that's true. I think God sometimes takes us through pain through, through trials and tribulations in order to prepare us to be able to be merciful because we know what it's like not to have mercy. Just saying. All right. Good fruit. Good fruits. You know, what produces fruit? A tree. God produces fruit. God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, remember John 15? Sometimes a bush. Yeah. Sometimes a bush. Vine. A vine, yeah. How do we stay connected to, to Jesus? He's the, he's the master vine. We're part of that vine. We're one of the, the tendrils, if you will. We have to stay connected. And that connection between us is what? The Holy Spirit. 
You know, the the lawyer in, in, in Luke 10, again, we're talking Good Samaritan, he's willing to discuss the subject of neighborliness, but he's unwilling to be a neighbor and help someone else. It's okay for them to help him, but he wasn't interested in helping somebody that was different than him. That didn't think like he did. You know, God's wisdom is practical, and I think it will change our lives if we allow it to work in us. And I think it will produce good fruits in us, good works that will ultimately glorify God and not glorify ourselves. Next thing I think is decisiveness or impartiality is another translation puts it. The idea of not wavering. Remember in, in the first chapter of James, verse six, it says that, that we need to not be a person like uh, double-minded and wavering in our ways, in our thought process. We need to be we need to know what we believe in and be willing to say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to waver. I'm going to be single-minded in what we do. And we need to be sincere. The idea is the opposite of hypocrite. And, and you know that, again, may, I, I think you remember this, that, that the word hypocrite from the, is, comes from the Greek word, which was used in theater. And in theater, what they did is in order to change characters, they didn't change, they didn't do a lot of makeup. They changed and put on a different mask. Are you wearing a mask? What mask are you wearing? What happens if you dropped your mask? How often do we, you know, argue or snip at each other in the car on our way to church? And then when we get into church, suddenly we're really happy and God's good and everything's great and what do we do? We, we just put on a mask. Sometimes they have to wear a mask because it's uh, COVID. Well, that's true too, yeah. <laughs> you so wear the mask until you love the mask. That's right. <laughs> or the mask loves you. So God's wisdom is at work. There needs to be openness and honesty and speaking the truth in love. That's, again, Ephesians 4. We need to be sincere about what we do. You know, the, I think one of the biggest problems is that have you ever had to deal with people that are two-faced? And deal with politics in the office? Three, three four-faced. Yeah. I think that when we get into a church and we have church politics, I, I think not only is God disappointed, I think God hates it. And I think too often it happens. We politic. You know, we, we try to get our side to get together. Faith is living without scheming. Let me repeat that. Faith is living without scheming. How are we doing with that? Oh, I know. That's good. Yet I want to scheme all the time. I'm all, you know, we, we, don't we make plans? Don't we scheme about how we're going to make this come about? God says to live by faith. There's does quite that, a bit. Does difference. living by faith mean don't make plans for anything? I, I don't believe Oh, it. well, we're going to get to that in James chapter 5, I think it is. <laughs> I think that's it. We, we, we make plans, but what we do, we make plans based upon this. If it's God's will, this is what our plan is. I think it's important you make plans. Scheming is different than planning, though, isn't it? 
Yeah. No one wants yeah, to. but it's got how? a negative connotation to it. I think it's more than a connotation. I mean, what's the purpose of scheming? Manipulate. Why? Right. In your own in your own interest, right? Yeah, to yeah. get your way. Yeah. So. There have been times, man, when you know you, you. It's amazing sometimes when we let God just take take over. The results sometimes are truly fascinating. Sometimes beyond our wildest imagination, and yet when we scheme, it doesn't work out so well. All right. Well, we've gotten through seventeen. Woohoo! We're almost <laughs> going to make it to eighteen. So guess what? Oh wow. <laughs> We're gonna, mm. I'm gonna we'll, we'll jump into 18 a little bit and just talk about this. We're talking about the fact that we're, God calls us to be peacemakers. Uh, God's wisdom produces blessing, it produces fruit, it also produces peace. Um, what have we got? Just two minutes or so here. What we are is what we live, and what we live is what we sow. And what we sow determines what we reap. And if we live in God's wisdom, we sow righteousness and peace and we reap God's blessing. But if we live in man's worldly wisdom, we sow sin and war. And I believe we reap confusion in every good work. Or excuse me, every evil work. When I say good work, how in the world did I come up with that? <laughs> All right, that's kind of hard to walk back, especially when it's been recorded. Hey, uh, just uh, for information, the Oxford Dictionary says the uh, verb scheme says make plans, especially in a devious way or with the intent to do something illegal or wrong. It sounds like a bad thing to me. Yeah, uh, synonyms are plot or conspire. So it's definitely uh, negative versus just planning. I mean, planning, you got to make some plans to get through the day. Sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to scheme my day away. All right, we're at, we're going to reach we've reached the end of our time, and I don't want to go further than this. So we'll finish up 18 in two weeks, and we'll get into chapter four, which I I can't wait to get into because what causes fights and quarrels among you? And we're going to find out that part of that is that we do things all wrong. So until then. God bless you. We're going to send you, we'll send you a little, I, I got to work hard to come up with a list of questions again today that for this week. We'll come up with questions based upon what is a scheme, and we'll use Gary's definition from the Oxford Dictionary, and um, we'll, um, we'll meet Thursday and discuss. Tuesday we'll have off. The following Thursday we'll meet at 7 o'clock at the Panera at Adams and 59 if you want to join us. If you can't, that's fine. We understand. But since we haven't done it in a while, it'd be kind of nice to actually see us face-to-face -face and um, have some coffee. All right. Let's uh, – sure. yeah. Do you have a question or a comment, Gary? No. Just oh. – bye. All right. Bye. <laughs> All right. We're